This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. My grandmother is here. It was this week. A few years ago, I was sitting in my office. I'm an accountant. Very exciting. And a client of ours comes in. And he says, you know, I'm building a new house. It's eligible for some tax credits. I'm putting in special type of air conditioning units, special type of heating units, special type of solar panels. Can I come in with a, you know, for a consultation? We'll sit down. We'll go through all the various things that we have going on in the house. And you'll tell us you know, what we're eligible for. Like, okay. And he comes in and he starts describing this house. Now, this guy is a mega wealthy person. And he starts describing, he says, my house is going to have, one wing is going to be the kitchen, and another wing is going to be for my children, and then there's going to be the pool, and then there's going to, you understand, he's just going on and on and on. And then he says, you know, my room, you know, is going to be so big, it's going to be its own wing, just off the other side of the house. And he's like, and then he's giving us all these details, how many bathrooms, it has like 13 bathrooms, and it has four kitchens, and he's giving us all these, you know, details about this unbelievable house. I'm like, wow. And he's like, not only that, he tells us that he built for him and his wife, you know, they have their own private wing, that they built a bathroom. Of course, there's like one side for him, one side for her. It's, it's massive. He's like, and then when we came to the area, to the construction site, and we started looking at the site that was built, he says, you know, we started looking around, and we realized that the, the hike from the bathroom to the bed was so big that we had them add another bathroom that was even closer. Right? You could understand? So we're like, wow, this must be some insane home. And then he, we go through all the tax implications and he leaves. And I turn to my father and my father's like, so what did you think? This was nice, right? We went through all the tax stuff. I'm like, how do I get his hasagos of what a house is supposed to look like? Right? In my house, if I change the light bulbs and they're all the same color, it's like a pretty good day, right? It's not like one's white and one's yellow. You know what I'm saying? Like this guy, it's like, it's, it's on a totally different world, a totally different realm. Like for him, like, it's like we're talking about wings of houses, right? We're not even talking about like the chandelier. Forget about that. I'm like, how do I change the way that I look at my house? to the way that this guy looks at his house. Or how do I change my hasagas from what I consider like, wow, this is nice, to like, he's like, that's the barn. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't even put my animals in your living room because it's just not nice enough. How do we change that? And I think that a lot of people, when it comes to Yantif, specifically Yom Nuraim, right? We're standing there. And it's always the same thing. We stand there and we're like, al-khayt, and we're flipping through the back of the art scroll. Am I the only one, right? You flip through the back of the art scroll to see what sins we may have really, really done that year. And we go through and we're like, you know, we're reading them, we're like, maybe I touched on that one, I'm not sure. Like, some of them we like, extra hard, some are like, nah, I don't know if I really did that one, right? And it's like, how do we upgrade our experience or understand the whole time that we're going through right now and make it super practical? I like when things are very practical. You can walk away and you're like, I got this, I can do something different. So hopefully tonight we can lay out El, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, everything, how it all fits into this beautiful puzzle piece, one into the next into the next, that's going to give us a little bit of a different perspective, possibly, than we had last year. Okay, you ready for this? Now, obviously, everybody knows 
that to go through pain for no reason is there's no purpose. So I'm involved a lot in relationships, and so with a lot of couples. And a lot of times I have a lot of martyrs who come to me. What do I mean martyrs? They like fall on their sword for their relationship. So like I have a woman, and I'm like, what are you doing for your relationship? And she's like, you know, um, I'm taking an art class, and in the, in the afternoons, and then at night I sit at home and I paint, and I'm painting in a room, a mural of my family, and she's giving me like a whole spiel. And then I talk to her husband, I'm like, wow, it sounds like your wife's doing the most romantic thing ever. Like she's painting a picture of you and the family and the kids. And he's like... I don't care. I don't care for a mural. I don't give her a painting. I don't give her a picture. When you talk to her, she thinks like, I'm the greatest wife ever. I'm putting in so much work. I'm signing up for courses and I'm painting and I'm so involved. And the guy's like, I, I couldn't care less. I, I really couldn't care less. Paint the picture. Don't paint the picture. Take a picture. And a lot of people, they put in so much work in so many areas, and then, but there's like, there's like no point. It's almost like taking a hammer, like banging it on the street for eight hours straight. And someone's like, wow, you're working really hard. You're like, yeah, I'm really, really working hard. So what did you do today? Nothing. Meaning there's no purpose to what you're doing. And a lot of people, we go through Yom Kippur, and we come out and we're like, woo! And then the next year we're like, woo! We hear the chauffeur, and like every year it's like, woo, we did it! And then it's like, so what changed this year? Like, I, I don't know, it was the same thing like last year. And then we do it again the year after and the year after. How do we change it? How do we change it so that the next year we're fighting different battles and we're doing different things? Okay, so let's, let's try to get this through. So our Berkowitz, Rebiesel Berkowitz, from Sanhedrin Rechavet, an unbelievable man, he says that the concept that most people understand as tshuva is not the way that it's supposed to be. And I'm going to explain this, and then we're going to slowly, slowly build this incrementally through stories, through analogies, so we can really clearly have a, like an unbelievable grasp of what we're going through right now, okay? I want you to imagine a couple that's having a fight, right? So, shouldn't imagine it, but imagine it happens, right? So somebody's having an argument with their spouse, and they're having a fight, and they're going at it, and then finally the husband sits down with his wife, and he's like... So, so let's talk about it, right? After the silent treatment and after everything. So he's like, okay, let's talk about it, right? So she sits down and he's like, usually it takes the man a minute or two to realize what, that there's something wrong, right? And then once he realizes that there's something wrong, then he's like, now what did I do wrong, right? So now let's, let's, let's map this out so we can do this together, okay? The first part of any transition, of any change, is A, is recognizing what went wrong. What did I do that went wrong? The second part is the part that most people don't do. It's the conviction that the action that you did is repulsible. It's terrible. Most people get to that first stage, right? We're standing on Yom Kippur and we're flipping through the back of the mafsa and we're like, I acted, you know, this way, and I spoke things, and I walked places, right? We go through all the different parts, and we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. But the second stage, and I'm going to develop this with you tonight, most people don't get to. It's the internalization that the action that was done, that is so bad. That is so low. And then the third part is the part that most men are, they jump to first usually, and that's the part where you say, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again, right? But here's the key. The key is that if you don't have that middle part, then most likely the next year, or the next fight, or the next time around, you're going to have the first part. You're going to have the fight, you're going to have the sit down, and then very shortly after, you're going to have, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm never going to do that again. That middle part is the most critical part of everything that we're doing today. 
And that's the part that is the least understood. And I want to I develop this with you now. We have four stages of the high holiday season. The first stage is Elul. Right? It comes into Elul and everyone's like, it's Elul. And you're like, so? Uh, I don't know. Rosh Hashanah is coming, right? Rosh Hashanah comes, we cook, we clean. It's like, it's a Sarasi Mechuva. We're like, so? Yom Kippur is coming, right? And then Yom Kippur, it's like, Ni'ilah is coming. And then it's like, gotta prepare for Sukkot, right? That's like as far as we usually get. Let's back all the way up. What is Elul? Elul is a month. A month of a heart-to-heart talk with yourself. It's a heart-to-heart talk with yourself to go through various parts of your life. And I'm not even talking 30,000 feet, 60,000 feet, a million feet. I'm not talking like where you say like, Oy, the Klippus and Shemayim, and how did I... I'm not even talking about that. It's simple. What things in my life are small? What things in my life need to change? What things in my life I wouldn't be happy... If somebody else around me was... I wouldn't be happy if my daughter was doing this. I wouldn't be happy if my friend was doing this. It's, an, it's, it's a conversation between you and yourself to identify the various areas in your life. Be they between you and Hashem, be they between you and your spouse, your friends, your parents, your children, or just something that you know yourself, right? How many people don't raise your hand, right? You, you make a cake. Okay, raise your hand, right? If you make a cake, say I, right? Everybody make, make a cake? I? Yeah? Bake a cake, right? Now, when was the last time you baked the cake? And then at the end of baking the cake, you took the batter on the blade, right? And you were like... Right? So just that like idea in your brain that you're like, maybe I won't do that anymore. <laughs> because it's just... I don't know. At a certain point, I just... I shouldn't do that. Even if nobody's around. It's just a part of me that I probably shouldn't do. Why not? Because... I'm different than that. I don't, I don't stand there licking the blades. I just, I don't do that, right? I don't, I don't take a two liter bottle and just guzzle down a bottle, right? I pour it into a cup. That is, it's not between me and anybody else. It's just a part of my life that I can, I can upgrade that. I'm doing things one way. I can do it a little bit differently. That's stage one. And it's, oh, the whole month to do that. In the olden days, olden days, Victor Miller, he writes that in the olden days, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 75 years ago, more like 75 to 100 years ago, when they had the Musser movement, even pre-war, what was the Musser, what was the concept of Musser? It wasn't that you sat down and you said, no. The idea was you walked in the forest to a base Musser. You know what a base Musser was? It was a little hut in the middle of the woods, like a half hour walk from the central village. You came to this hut, you opened the door, you closed the door, you locked yourself in, and you just looked at the walls. And you had an honest conversation with yourself. You didn't go through every safer in the world and say, oh, yeah. No. It's between me and me. It has nothing to do with anybody. What in my life do I need to upgrade? That is the first stage. Right? A husband who does this or a wife who does this would be like the greatest person in the world. Right? Imagine your spouse or your parent or your child. They walk over to you and they're like, I was thinking about it. Without a fight, without the silent treatment, they just walk over. I was thinking about it. I realized I do this. It's annoying. I'm going to stop. Right? Wow. On your own, you realize it? That's L. L is the internalization of the things in your life. It's small. You just, you just don't do that. That's the first stage. Rosh Hashanah is, is, is like the craziest time. 
Yeah, it's Yantif, right? It's three-day Yantif this year. But it's not just Yantif. Rosh Hashanah, I'm going to explain this through an analogy, okay? I have a friend who, he's, he's also an accountant, and this friend, he has, he manages a lot of people's money, right? So, when he manages people's money, he tells them, go to this bank, go to that bank, take a loan. We're talking to the tune of tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars, right? This guy, people want him in their bank. They're calling him up every day. Every banker that you know is calling him up. Hey, can I have a meeting with you? I want to take you out for lunch. Here's some Yankee tickets. Here's some Nick tickets. Come, we'll, we'll spend time together. Why? Because this guy, it's not even that he's independently wealthy. As much as where he's around, things are successful, right? The goal of every banker on King's Highway, of Avenue M, is to get this guy in their office and themselves into his office. Rosh Hashanah is a time where you, you welcome in the big stuff. Who's the big stuff? Hashem. You say to Hashem, I want you to come and set foot into my house. And Chazal say, we all know, that a hundred times a day you're supposed to make a bracha. Why? Because Hashem is like this amazing banker, this very wealthy guy. And everywhere he goes, he's just dropping hundred dollar bills. Right? So now imagine you had a friend like that. How often would you have them over? All the time, right? You'd have them in your house. All, hey, barbecue, hey, come on, right? Why would you do that? Because every time they're over, they're just dropping money. So Chazal say that a hundred times a day, Hashem says, listen, I have everything. I'm a call yachal. I, I can do anything in the world. Invite me into your home a hundred times, and every time I come in, I'm going to drop something. Money, parnasa, shadokhim, I'm going to drop stuff. So a hundred times a day you make a bracha to bring the source of all goodness into the world into your home. That's pretty, that's pretty cool, right? So this banker, he's the analogy here, right? And it's a true person, right? He comes into the bank or the bank comes to him. They know this guy is gonna, there's gonna be an influx of tens of millions of dollars flowing into the bank. You know when you bring Hashem into your life, into your world, what's gonna happen? You're gonna see things grow organically in your life. And that is the sole purpose of Rosh Hashanah. And at a certain point on Rosh Hashanah, our brains are supposed to take what happened during Elul and what's happening on Rosh Hashanah and it's supposed to contrast the two. And this is the part that's really painful and therefore most people don't do it. The idea is that you now say to yourself, hold up, let me make a list, an imaginary list. So you type it up in your head, blah, blah, blah. I do this and this and this and this. These are all small things, right? And then you take Hashem and you're like, well, let me think what would be the big version. And then you go, whoa. The reality hits you like a ton of bricks. Because at the same time, Rosh Hashanah is a yantif, it's also the first two days of a Yimei Tshuva. And it's like, whoa, 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 this is no longer just the introspection of what I was supposed to do for the last month. It's now a totally different ballgame. I'm now comparing my smallest to my big list. And my big list is like, it's making me feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's the, it's the recalibration of your sensitivities. I lived in Eretz Yisrael for, for like six years, six and a half years. When I, where I davened, there was no concept of like having a phone out during davening. No concept. I never saw it. I came back to America. I went into shul the first day. I, I, I came home. I was like, I, I have to go back home. I have to go back to Israel. I can't. This is crazy. People are texting during that. I was like shocked. 
I told my wife, I was like, that's it, we're packing up, just, just forget everything, leave, leave this stuff, we're leaving, like, we gotta get out of here, right? <laughs> now you go into show, people are texting, you're like, okay, right? The first time you see, like, a couple that's engaged, like, arm, you know, like, over each other, right? You're like, what? What? Like, they're not showing the gear, like, what? And then you're like, oh, that's so cute, like it, right? You like the picture and you just move on with your life. The sensitivities, they, they roll us back to like a different place. And we're like, yeah, that, that, of course, that's what it is. That's what our life becomes. L is a time where you recalibrate the sensitivities. You recalibrate it. And again, and again, and again. And then you, you then pair it up against the, against the altruistic vision. That's Rosh Hashanah. And you say, what should it be? And what is it? You get it? What should it be and what is it? And that is the two-day yantif of Rosh Hashanah. Most people don't do this, but now you, now you will next year, right? <laughs> but that's the idea. Is I'm taking the small and I'm taking the now big. I see the big picture and I'm putting them side by side. I'm like, wow, this is not what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be Shomanigia. You're not supposed to text and show, right? You're not supposed to lick the cake batter off the blade. You're not supposed to do these things. I, that's crazy. I never thought of this, but now I thought of it. The day of Rosh Hashanah is that contrast. This versus that. The big versus the small. We got it? We're all on the same page? That's the idea of Rosh Hashanah. And then comes the Aseris Yimei And it's a week. It's really ten days. But the bulk of it, the middle part, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is a week. And what is the goal of this week? So I want to tell you a story. There's a woman, pretty heavy woman. She decides she's going to a nutritionist for like the 50th time. So she shows up by the nutritionist and she's used to like the nutritionist saying, okay, you have to eat less carbs and less sugar and exercise and whatever, right? The whole spiel. Everybody knows it, right? So... She's like, okay, she's gearing up again, and she's like, this time, it's going to change, and of course nothing ever changes. And the nutritionist says to her, okay, I'm going to help you. Let's go into the other room, and I want to show you certain foods, and I want you to tell me of these foods, how much of these foods you think you should be eating a day. Okay? So she walks into the other room, and there's like a bowl of fruit. And the woman's like, you know, a few apples, a few grapes, you know, Right? And then she shows her some other things, a whole wheat bread, she's like maybe a slice, right? Everybody knows the whole spiel, right? Some yogurt, right? The whole thing. And she's telling her a cup of milk, right? Everything. And then she brings her over, there's like a whole table there, and there's like five tables of like cakes and cookies and candies and all these yummy things, right? And she's like, and how much of this do you think you're able to eat? And the lady's like, you know, maybe a jelly bean, right? Once a week, or could she eat just a little bit, something, right? Just a, I'm not saying I could eat so much, a little bit, right? And the lady's like, I want to show you what you do with this table. And she walks over, and she takes the table, and she flips it. And everything goes flying. And the lady's like, what? And she's like, come to the next table. Now you do that to this table. And the lady's like, it's going to make a mess. She's like, flip the table. And the lady goes, okay, and she like turns it over. She's like, let me explain to you what happens when you eat these foods. And she starts explaining to her the poison that she's putting in her body. And that she's going to be a pre-diabetic soon. And that she's going to kill herself. And that her quality of life is going to go down. And she really drills into her 
the severity of an unhealthy lifestyle. And she says to her, this food is poison. Flip the next table. And the lady's like, whoa! And she grabs the table and she throws it. And she's like, and now throw the next table. And she throws it. And now throw the next table. Do you understand? Asaris and Chuva are the days where you realize, am I crazy? Am I nuts? It's not that you're sitting there and you're going, a little grapes, a little jelly beans. No, 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 no. This stuff is poison. This stuff is poison. You don't touch it. I can't digest nuts. Me, personally, I cannot digest nuts. If I eat nuts, it really causes me pain. And I never realized that there was a correlation between nuts and pain. Never. And I loved eating pistachio ice cream. Right? And in my life, I would eat a lot of pistachio ice cream. And one day, I was thinking it through, and I realized, every time I eat pistachio ice cream, I get such severe pains. And I was like, hmm, let's think this through. And I did like a few week experiment, and yeah, I cannot digest nuts. Do you know that when I look at pistachio ice cream, it causes me pain. It hurts me before I even eat it. I don't eat it. I stay far away from it. Because once my brain made that connection, I'm like, what am I, crazy? I'm going to eat this? This is poison. It kills me. And until today, now I'm in my 90s. I'm joking, right? (laughs) Until today, my brain put that link together and it's like, oh, why in the world would I touch that? And there are times I'll be at a simcha and they'll have pistachio ice cream. Or they'll have pistachios, or they'll have almonds. And people are like, you want this? I'm like, no. They're like, but it tastes so good. I'm like, I know. But for me, it tastes like terrible. Because it's so bad. Remember our friend, the guy who's the banker? Everywhere he goes, he's like, there's this influx of tens of millions of dollars in the bank. Because he's the accountant, everyone loves bringing him in. So he told me a story. He said that it was during tax season a few years ago. And he's a trustee on, a, on an account. It's a nonprofit account, and he gets a call from a banker. And the banker says to him, Hi, you don't know me, I'm calling from such and such bank. Um, I have a question for you. There was a check for $30 that was delivered and put into your bank account on one of the things that you're a trustee on. Can you verify and tell me who the check came from? So the guy's like thinking, thinking, he's like, I can't, I don't remember. $30, nothing, I can't, I don't know. So the guy's like, well, we need you to verify the source of the funds. He's like, listen, it's busy season now. I'm very happy to deal with this. Call me back in two months. I'll gladly figure out who gave me $30. But it, it's, it's nothing. It's pennies. I'm not, I'm not wasting my time right now. Call me back in two months. Three days later, he gets a letter in the mail. It says, dear Mr. So-and-so, you have been kicked out of our bank. We contacted you to verify $30, and we have now kicked you out of the bank. Here's your check with the remaining balance of your account. You're gone. So he's like, okay. He calls up the president of the bank, right? The guy who he always deals with, who's begging him, can I please have lunch with you? Can I please spend time with you? Can we go to a Yankee game together? And he says to him, "Um, your bank just kicked me out for $30. And the guy's like, oh. The banker realized what happened. You took a guy who brings your bank tens of millions of dollars a year. And like an idiot, you threw him out 
Because he didn't verify a $30 charge. Are you crazy? And the guy's like, I can't believe what our bank just did. They obviously did not know who you are. I am so sorry. Give us a few minutes and we're going to take care of everything. You get it? I seriously made tshuva is the days where you took your smallest from Elo. You then invited Hashem into your house during Rosh Hashanah and you compared the list. And you're like, here's the stuff that I'm small and here's the stuff that should be bigger. I shouldn't be licking the cake off the, the batter off the blades and I shouldn't be drinking from a bottle and I should talk nicer to my spouse and I should be a better daughter and I should call my grandmother. Those are things I need to do, Right? And if I would do that, then it would make my life so much better. I can't believe I don't do that. How dumb am I? How did I speak this way to my spouse? How did I yell at my mother? Understand? How did I do that? It's a week of sitting in that agony of like, am I crazy? It's that week of realizing, I'm not going to a nutritionist for her to tell me, eat a little grapes and a little... It's like, this is poison. You completely change over your attitude by comparing the big to the small. By comparing your list that you finally realize after a month, this is so stupid of me. This is so ridiculous. These are such little things. And I went and I took Hashem, who wants to come into my house and give me all the bracha in the world, and I kick him out. I'm like, sorry, don't come here. I want to have a huge TV. I want to watch whatever I want. And I'm like, that's great. But if you invite me in, I'll give you so much stuff. No. It's that week of your like, am I crazy? Like, what am I thinking? You understand? It's a painful time in a sense. But it's a joyous time. Because you realize like, the big and the small, I, I, I can't believe what I've been doing. It just doesn't make any sense. And essentially, tshuva, tshuva is like return to your initial sensitivities. Recognize again the things that should be versus the things that are. And you make that list and you compare it and then you sit for one full week and you let it stew and you let it stew and you let it stew. And we said that the average husband and wife, they get into a fight and what happens? He he realizes finally that there's a problem and he's like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. You can't apologize yet. You don't have the right to apologize just yet. You first have to realize that what you did was so egregious. You have to sit in that feeling for just a little bit of time. And then when you come back, you're like, honey, I'm not just saying I'm sorry. I am so stupid. You're the greatest thing in the world. What I did to our relationship, I just can't believe that I let myself get to a point where I did that. That stage, the middle stage of just like really like, what am I, crazy? I can't believe I did that. That is the part that most people skip. There was a woman who came to me recently and she was telling me about her relationship with her husband. And suffice it to say, it needs a lot of work. And she says to me, listen, my marriage, it's, it's okay. I'm happy with where it is. So Really? What would happen if your daughter got married and your daughter called you up and your daughter said, Mommy, this is what my marriage looks like. And she describes to you your marriage. The yelling, the screaming, the separating, the sleeping in the other room, the locking him out of the house, right? The fighting. 
what would you do if that was what your daughter said to you? She's like, I, I, would, I, would, I would fall apart. I would, I would cry myself to sleep. Okay. So for your daughter, it's not good enough. For you, it's good enough? Does that make any sense? You understand? Rosh Hashanah is the time in our lives that we stop giving excuses for things. It's a time in our life where we stop saying, for other people it's not good, but for me, I'm okay with myself. It's a real look in the mirror. It's like, hold on, hold on. Let me just think this through honestly here. This is not good. This is not good. And you internalize that this is not good and change needs to happen. And on Yom Kippur, you finally sit down, you look in the Maser, and that's where you then take another final look at all the things that Hashem says to us. Those things are small, and these things are big. Al is saying, I cannot believe that in my wildest dreams, I ever imagined that it would be okay to go on Instagram and see a couple that is not Shomer Nigiyah and like the picture. I can't believe that I thought that. Hashem, I realize now that's not the way you wanted it to be. Next. Hashem. You understand? You go through the list a final time. And it's the reaffirmation at this point that you've now sat in the most critical point, which is a Sari Simichuva, that you sat down for a week and you said, whoa, I am crazy. I took the source of everything good in my life and I said to him, yeah, that's good for you, but I'm not interested in you in my house. Yeah, you're a guy who brings in tens of millions of dollars into the bank, but I'm kicking you out over $30. $30? Are you crazy? Do you know what this guy brings to the bank? You understand? Hashem's like, you're throwing me out of your house to speak, lush and hard, to tell over the story to your friend? It's, that's important to you? But you're throwing me out of your house? Do you understand the absurdity of what you're doing? It's a full week of sitting there and being like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. And it's that final time when you turn to Hashem and you're like, Hashem, wow. Like, no words. Like, of course I'm not going to do that again. Nobody needs to tell me not to eat pistachio ice cream. I don't need a letter every two days. Reminder, don't eat pistachio ice cream. I know the pain it causes me. You understand? Nobody has to remind you because it's just so part of you. You just don't do it. You internalize this idea. And most people skip it. They realize, hey, something's wrong. What's the next stage? I'm sorry. It's like, no, 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 no. That was way too easy. Of course you said, I'm sorry. But you don't feel sorry. You don't feel that this was so low. There's a huge difference between I'm sorry and I am crazy for ever thinking that that behavior was even okay in the first place. You get it? It's such a different world than most people go through their Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. It's, it's like a totally different world. Because now, you stand by Yom Kippur and you're like, Hashem, all these things, this is your list. You made this list. This is the type of life I want. Most people go to nutritionists and are like, what can I get away with? Understand? It's like, how many slices of cheese can I get her to give me? And you're like, can I eat some Chalantan Shabbos? Do I have to not wash? Right? We're like negotiating with her. We should be begging her. Tell me what I can't do. I need you. Understand? And you're negotiating with the nutritionist. You're like, you don't get it. This stuff is poison for you. When you internalize that, 
and you look back in the mirror, you're like, wow, I must be nuts. I'm pre-diabetic, and I'm handling for like another piece of holy bread? What, am I crazy? It's that realization, that flipping of the table that just totally changes the game. You understand? That is the idea. The Chazal tell us that when Klai Yisrael was in the Midbar, every day a portion of man fell for each person. Each family, there was a portion, right? And it says that every family, it was either close to the house, far from the house, and it's brought down, it says in the Pasuk, that you're not allowed to leave your portion of man over from one day to the next. That's, you're not allowed to. You got a portion, it was this big, you have to eat the whole thing. Now, why? Because the basic understanding is that emuna requires you to believe that tomorrow Hashem will provide for you again. So don't eat half and be like, eh, this is for a rainy day. Hashem's like, there's no rainy day. Tomorrow I'm going to give to you again. But you have to believe in me, and I'm going to give it to you again. Okay. Now what happens if you did leave it over? So the Pasuk says, you know what happened? It's spoiled. It's spoiled. You woke up in the morning, you're like, where's my breakfast? You're like, ah, it's done. It's spoiled. It's rotted. It's wormy. It's all gone. But that's not where it ends. The Medrash says that not only did it spoil... But the next day you went out, your name was Goldberg, so you went out, you're looking for the Goldberg family package, right? And yesterday you got this much money. You show up, you look, and finally you see a package. It says Goldberg, and it's only half the size of what it was yesterday. You're like, what? What happened here? You know what happened here? Whatever you ate on the first day, Hashem says, oh, you think it's enough to just eat that? Okay, I'll give that to you tomorrow. And the next day, you had only half the amount. So what did you do? You panicked. So what did you eat? Only half the amount. So then you came out the third day. And what's there? A quarter of the first day, right? And you started really getting nervous. The measure says that whatever you ate on any given day was then repeated the next day. If you ate the whole thing, you got the whole thing. If you ate less, then you only got less. Rivali Lapian, he says this is a lesson for life. He says that every single day, every single person has a little pekula, a little mun that comes down into their life in the form of opportunity. We have various opportunities in our day, in our lives, in our weeks, in our months, in our years. And if you seize those opportunities, then they repeat themselves yet again. But if you don't, then they don't. So if, if there's an appeal in your shul, and they're like, who can give a thousand dollars? And you're like, eh, and then you're like, wait, and then you're like, five hundred. The next year when they make that appeal, you're like, I guess I can only afford five hundred. You understand? It changes within your life the opportunities that present themselves. And at a certain point, if you stop taking the opportunities, the opportunities stop coming. Yom Kippur is that time. We're, we grab onto the opportunity that only comes around once a year. And it's that opportunity where we say to Hashem, Hashem, I am crazy. I am crazy for what I thought was life was supposed to be about. And I have now compared it to your list, which is a much smarter list. And I spent a week now stewing and realizing, I must be totally nuts for thinking that the things that I was doing before was okay. Hashem, give me the opportunity for another year to prove to you that things are going to change and be different. 
And if you seize that opportunity, then things can change and be different. A lot of times I, I, I teach chasanim, so I'll sit with a chasan and I'll say to him, you need to take your phone and delete certain apps from your phone. It will be better for you, for your life, right? And, I, and what do they always say? Oh, yeah, okay, for sure, right? <laughs> Nobody's going to argue, like, oh, yeah, fine, for sure, right? No. It's like, no, no, no. Right now. Like, right this minute, take out your phone and delete the, the apps. Unsubscribe. Lock yourself out. Get rid of it. And it's like, yeah, 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 okay, fine, I got it. What's the next thing? It's like, no, no, you don't understand. Most people, we love to talk, but we don't like to, like, capitalize on it. The capitalizing on it is the part that we're here for. It's that, like, wait a minute, this is not a joke. I have to actually take action in my life to do things different than I did them before. Think about this for one second, right? Let's go through a mini. El Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, El Rosh Hashanah, Aser Tshuva, and Yom Kippur, right? Think in your mind of anything. Anything that you feel is a small thing. Meaning, it's a small action. Not that it's a small thing easy, but it's a small action. I don't call my grandmother enough. I don't daven with enough kavana. I don't daven at all. I don't know what davening is. I don't know the olive base. Whatever the case is, right? Something in your life that you're like, that's different than the way it should be. Compare it to how it should be, right? Think of anything, anything in your life. It's speaking Lashon Hara, it's being on social media, it's, it's, it's being on your phone too much, whatever it is, right? Compare the two. Recognize for one second how your life would be different if you didn't act smaller and you rather you acted bigger. And then you go through that 30 seconds, 10 seconds of internalizing that idea and then it translates into an affirmation, I will do something differently. Are you ready for the kicker? You ready for the kicker? The, ready, the kicker is, now do it. Meaning right this second, take out your phone and, and say, Siri, okay Google, whatever, whoever your, right, whoever your weapon of choice is, and say, remind me every Tuesday morning to Davin Chakras at 9 o'clock. And then Davin Chakras every Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock. Okay, I need to take this app and lock myself out of it because it's not good for me. And, and, and actively, before 9.30, which is in like three minutes, lock yourself out of it. You understand? The talking part we're so good at. It sounds like, yeah, great. Everybody shows up to Yom Kippur and says all the same words. We do. We all say this. it's the same machsa, right? Give or take a few for, for Ashkenaz and Sephardi, right? I don't know what Sephardi people do. They probably sit around and sing. I don't know. They probably do a little different, right? But more or less, we say the same stuff. And it sounds like, yeah, I, I heard this. You told all of this to me last year. But this is not what I want. I told you I'm an accountant. So I have a client, he's going through an audit way back from 2009. And there's a certain bank statement that he needed from a specific bank. Okay, I called the bank, I said I need this bank statement. They said, I'm sorry sir, it's before seven years. Every seven years we delete all of our bank statements. Every, seven, every month we go, we delete all of our stuff. I said, there's no way in the world that your bank deletes everything going back seven years. That's your policy, but I really need this bank statement. And they're like, we'd love to help you, sir. I'm so sorry, can't help you. Go into a local branch and see if they can get it for you. I said, fine. I go into a local branch. I said, hi, I need this specific document. Can you please get it for me? And they said, I'm so sorry, sir. We'd love to help you. Unfortunately, 
we can only get documents for the last seven years, and this is before seven years. So I said, are you telling me that you take all the documents from every single one of your customers, right, all your clients, and you delete it going back seven years every month? That's what you do? Because this is like one month before the seven months. I don't believe that you guys actually delete it. Can you maybe call somebody? Can you try to get it for me? They're like, sorry, sir, we'd love to help you. Unfortunately, the, the document you're requesting is prior to seven years, and therefore we cannot get you the documents. And I'm like, okay. So I said to the lady, I said, you know, you're saying all the right stuff. And you feel my pain, and you wish you can do it, and blah, blah, blah. But you don't understand. If I don't have that paper, it's going to cost my client like $100,000. I need that document. And she's like, okay, sir. I'm so sorry, sir. But for the last seven years, you know, we have the documents. But for the period, I'm like, you don't get it. You're saying all the right stuff. And I get that. And it's so great that you're reading off your computer what to tell me. But I don't care about that. I don't care for you to feel my pain. I need you to get me the paper. When we stand, we, we're like, Hashem, al khay, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to change, I'm going to do. And he's like, okay. I'm waiting. <laughs> Just tell me when this is all going to happen. The talking is the easy part. The Elul is the easy part. The Rosh Hashanah is a little more difficult. That Sarah Shemit Shuva is like, what? I, I can't believe I do that. You sit in it for like a full week. Then Yom Kippur comes, you're like, Hashem, whoa. Never again. I promise you, I'm getting off Instagram. I'm deleting my Facebook page. I'm not speaking Lashon Hara. I'm going to start davening chakras. Shem's like, great. You know what's happening tonight? You can get on your phone and delete Instagram tonight. Understand? It's like, so do it. So go ahead and do it. it it's, it's the culmination of everything is that you actually carry through and do it. That is the hard part. Should I tell you what happened with the bank? <laughs> I called somebody I know at the bank and I said to them, I need the highest level person in your bank. Meaning... I'm not talking about like the vice president. I'm talking about like the guy who owns the bank. I want to talk to him. And they gave me a number. And they said, call this person. Don't tell them where you got the number from. I said, okay. I called the person and they said, hi, this is the executive secretary of blah, 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 blah. And I was like, hi, I had a little issue with one of your banks. And I was just Googling around some numbers. And I came across your number. And I figured I would just present the problem to you. So she's like, okay, what's the problem? And I explained this issue. I need this, you know, this document. And they're telling me that they can only get it from me within seven years. So the lady's like, do you know who you called? I was like, nope. She's like, okay. There's basically the owner of the bank, the group of people who manage the whole bank. We're talking like billions and billions and billions of dollars. And then in the United States, the East Coast has one lady. The West Coast has a lady. The Midwest has another lady, right? Those are the three ladies that manage America. You reach one of those three ladies. She manages the entire East Coast, not branch, but like division of this bank. She's like, you cannot get any higher. Like, if you're calling higher than this, like, it's like, hi, you've reached God, right? Like, you're not getting any higher than this woman in this bank. There's nobody else. I was like, great. So I told her the problem. She's like, in five minutes, someone will call you. Great. Two minutes later, my phone rings. Hi, I'm in charge of New York State. What can I do for you? Five minutes later. Hi, 
Your bank statements are ready. They're sitting in your bank that you went into. And I went back to the bank that kicked me out. I was like, you're asking for documents before seven years? And I said to them, hi. And they were like, you're back again? I told you, seven years, no bank statements. I'm like, well, actually, they're printing in your printer right now. So if you can just do me a little favor, go to the back and grab them for me, I'll be out of here in no time. And they came back after like five minutes, they're like, here's your papers. <laughs> they felt a little, and, and the lady's like, who did you speak to? Because their phones were ringing off the hook that the regional director was calling and the state director was calling and the East Coast director was calling. Everybody was calling and killing them. You're saying all the right stuff. And it's so beautiful. I feel your pain. I can't give you the documents. I was like, very nice. I need the papers. You can say whatever you want. I need the papers. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, we go through everything. And we're like, Hashem, I'm so sorry. Bro. And then we, we, we get to that moment and we're like, I'm, I, I'm never going to do it. Never going to do it ever again. Hashem's like, great. That's awesome. That's amazing. Wonderful. Guess what happens tonight? It's Matzi Yom Kippur. Pull out your phone. Show me. Do something. Little trick. Delete that app. Unsubscribe. Talk to Siri. Tell her when you want to daven. Talk to Google. Tell it when to remind you to call your grandmother. Talk to whoever you want to talk to. Siri, next time I'm baking a cake, remind me not to lick the cake blades. The blades from the... I shouldn't do that. Siri, please remind me. Right? You take a step. The step is the final part. And for four days, you take steps. And then, the coolest thing in the world happens. You go on a honeymoon with Hashem. And that's Sukkot. Do you understand the picture that we just painted? It's so different than most people go through Yom in the Rayim. It's like, it almost seems in the beginning like everything's all the same. It's like, it's all the same. It's not. It's very different. It's, it's, it's an internalization of what I need to work on because those things are small. It's then taking Hashem, inviting Him back into my life, comparing my list with His for two days, and then sitting for a week and saying, am I nuts? Am I crazy? I can't believe I did that. And then when I sit down on Yom Kippur, it's like the final affirmation. That's the time where we're like crying, like, Hashem, I'm sorry, never. I, I can't even believe that I did that. I thought it was okay to text in shul. I thought it was okay to like an Instagram picture of something inappropriate. I thought it was okay. I can't believe I even thought that. That's crazy. I'm never going to do that. And then you have, I was like, great, great, wonderful, great. Go prepare our honeymoon. We're going on a honeymoon for a week. You ready? But, but the honeymoon has to come on the heels of, I'm now deleted. I'm now taking an action. It's already past 9.30. I don't know if anybody here unsubscribed yet. Right? <laughs> But that's the action. That's the commitment. That's the difference between this year and next year. That's the difference between opening up your moxer and being like, flipping to the back again and being like, I acted, you know, whatever. Okay, I won't do it again. Oh, that one I really did this year. (laughs) I'm going to stick on this one for a minute. Oh, I'm so stupid. What did I do? No, no, no. It's a totally different year. Because next year you're a step bigger. Now you're not on these platforms. Now you're davening more. Now you're not licking blades from cake batter. You understand? Now it's like, wait, so now I'm a different person. So now, how do I stack up against the ultimate list? How do I now take the banker and invite him back into my bank? You understand? How do I, how do I now look at life and compare these two lists again and say, oh, last year, 
I had a lot of things to work on, and I did. It were easy. Deleted things. I, I added things. I changed things. I modified them. And now I'm different. And then you move forward, and the next year, it's a totally different list. And when you seize that opportunity, you get that opportunity yet again. But if you don't, then it's like, okay, we're going to do this every year. You're just going to open the machzer, flip around, and be like, I guess some of these stuffers have to do with me, some of them don't have to do with me. And it's like, no, that's not what this whole time is about. It's such a potent time. When you do this, you change your hasagos, you change the way you look. Not just at the machzer, not just at these days, the way you look at yourself. I'm a different person. I've transformed. I've changed myself. And that's what happens. It happens to every one of us over the course of our lifetimes. A 90-year-old woman doesn't wear a shaitl down her back, right? It just doesn't happen. Because over the course of her life, she changes. Her sensitivities change. Her way she looks at herself changes. Her self-dignity changes. And this time of year is the biggest matana. It's the time that you do it, so that you don't have to do it again next year. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.